It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to Locked On MLB Prospects. I'm your host, Aram Layton. I am a minor league play-by-play broadcaster as well as a prospect writer and just a prospect junkie in general. This is the first episode of the show, so thank you for joining me. This is going to be a blast. As for what you can expect, if you've heard the trailer, I'll restate some of it and a little bit more. This is going to be a show that features everything from top prospects to the fringe guys outside of the top 100 or some diamonds in the rough that I think you should be aware of. I will also be doing weekly interviews with prospects from your favorite team, and a schedule of those interviews will be out relatively soon. But the first guest will be Griffin Conine, second-round pick from the Toronto Blue Jays. Keep an eye out for that interview this week. He led the entire Midwest League in home runs, even though he started 50 games late due to a suspension. So some big power and some big adjustments from Griffin Conine that he's going to talk about. Also, Nick Gonzalez, seventh overall pick in this year's draft to the Pittsburgh Pirates, will also be on the show next week. A very cool story with Gonzalez as well, a guy who walked on at New Mexico State, was a preferred walk-on, then was just a masher out of the gate, eventually wins the batting title in college baseball, was discounted still because of the fact that he played in the WAC conference, WAC, and also just played in a band box where the ball just sailed out of town. But he goes to the Cape League, wins Cape Player of the Year, and pretty much put all of those concerns to bed. And that's something that I want to bring out in these interviews with the players that'll be a little bit different. For example, you'll see later this week in the Conine interview that he's made some major adjustments in the time off to his swing and to his approach. And he was a guy who, as I had mentioned earlier, the power is undeniable, but he also strikes out at a rate that the Blue Jays organization is not comfortable with and he as a player is not comfortable with. So those adjustments were made to improve on his ability to make consistent contact and limit the swing and miss stuff. I don't want to just talk about or talk to players about how they broke out in whatever season they broke out. I want to know why they broke out, what adjustments they made. Take me through the improvements you made to your approach, to your swing, to your pitch selection, what those changes were. If you're a pitcher, did you add a new pitch? Did you go to driveline? What did you do to improve your poise on the mound, to repeat your mechanics? Those are the things I really want to be able to unlock in the show and be able to bring to you because That is what fascinates me the most about baseball, how hitting or pitching is not cookie cut, how every player makes their own adjustments and has their own way of doing things all to accomplish the same goal. So it'll be interesting to talk to so many of these players in the coming weeks. And as I mentioned earlier, stay posted for a lineup because I can assure you a prospect from your favorite team will be on the show at some point in the next few months. As for today's episode, I wanted to talk about the top five prospects in baseball because, as you know, the beautiful thing about prospects in general and something that I'll also be doing on this show is bringing on tons of writers that put out their top 100 lists, whether it's Baseball America, Fangraphs, MLB Pipeline, you name it. Those are all slightly different. Everybody has different takes on the players that they saw. 
that's what makes this whole industry so fascinating is that there are so many different opinions on players and their whether it's their ceilings, their floors, what they're capable of. And as a fan, you want to hear as many opinions as possible. At least I know I did, because even if it was good or bad, I wanted to know what some of these prospect analysts thought of a guy that could be the future of my team. Especially in this day and age where the young talent in baseball just seems to be better than ever, whether it's in the major leagues right now or some guys knocking on the door in the minors, Wander Franco is a great place to start because he is the only prospect in the entire top 100 where there are no dissents from any prospect outlet. If you ask somebody who their top five prospects in baseball are, I'm sure there'll be some overlap with just about everybody's list, but for the most part, a lot of the lists won't look the same, whether you ask the fan of a team or a prospect outlet like MLB Pipeline or Baseball America. For that reason, I decided to average the rankings from five prominent prospect outlets, that being MLB Pipeline, Baseball America, Fangraphs, Baseball Prospectus, and Prospects Live to get the true composite top five, meaning averaging all of their rankings to create a super ranking and averaging the top five, which gave me Wander Franco. That was super easy because it was unanimous one across the board, and I'll get into him in a second because it's pretty understandable how there's not much dispute as to whether Wander Franco is the number one prospect. So the undisputed number one prospect is Wander Franco. Gavin Lux sneaks in at number two, but it was pretty close between him and Joe Adele. Gavin Lux had an average rating of 3.2 because MLB Pipeline has him slated at two, but Baseball America has him as low as four. Fangraphs has him back at two. Then Baseball Prospectus has him at three. And Prospects Live puts him at five. They're the lowest on Gavin Lux. And saying lowest is a stretch there because number five prospect in baseball, I think you're doing pretty well. It's just interesting when you're putting together the top five to see the biggest descents. So that puts Lux at two. Just behind him is Joe Adele, who has an average of 3.6, which is right around the same, just missing about 0.4 behind Gavin Lux. Right behind Adele is Mackenzie Gore. That was a little bit surprising to me because I've seen Gore as high as two and as low as six. And Prospects Live had Mackenzie Gore at number two. Baseball America has Mackenzie Gore at number six. Regardless, he is the overall number four prospect. Then the number five prospect overall by averaging those five outlets is Luis Robert. And that was a little bit peculiar to me. But then when you start looking at the ages, it all starts to come together because each outlet has their certain reasons as to why they have, I hate to use the word something against these players because again, Luis Robert is ranked seventh on fans, fan graphs, excuse me, which was what kind of bumped his average to 4.4 and pushed him out to five. But overall, Luis Robert was as high as three on MLB pipeline, two on baseball America, and Fangraphs really threw his average out of whack, but Fangraphs has always been a little bit different in their prospect ideology than other outlets, and mostly because Fangraphs likes to look into the deeper things 
and advanced statistics and also puts a huge weight on age. Luis Robert is the oldest of the entire group there, so it makes sense with those rankings. To go over the five again, because I know I threw a lot of numbers at you, Wander Franco, undisputed number one, an average of one. Gavin Lux in at two with an average of 3.2. Joe Adele in at three with an average of 3.6. And then Mackenzie Gore at four with an average of 4.2. And rounding it out was Luis Robert with an average of 4.4. So what can we expect from some of these guys? How soon can they make an impact in the major leagues? Well, Luis Robert's already making an impact in the major leagues. He's 23 years old, and as I said, the oldest in the list. The rest of these guys are pretty darn young, especially Wander Franco, who is 19 years old. 19 years old and hit 330 in high A ball. It's just ridiculous how good this guy is. And I'm sure if you're listening to this show, you have a decent background on prospects and you just know how darn good Wander Franco is. But what makes him so good? That's something I'm really excited to get into. And then who are some of the other prospects in that five that can make an impact for their team in the near future outside of Robert? But first, I'm going to tell you about how Postmates impacts me and my life, especially right now. Because if you're anything like me, you're thinking about what you're going to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. Also, it's hard to find time in the day to carve out to either prepare your own meal or go and pick something up. That's why Postmates will do it for you with a huge selection of local restaurants and probably some of your favorite restaurants in your area. But not only will they bring you your burger or some sushi, they'll also bring you your groceries from Walgreens or 7-Eleven and they'll just drop it off outside your door. A contact-free delivery so you don't have to have any interaction with somebody and all you have to do is just download Postmates on your iOS or Android, find your favorites and get everything you want and anything you want delivered within the hour. It gets even better for a limited time. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download that app and put in the promo code locked on. That's one word locked on for $100 in free deliveries in your first seven days. Anything you need, Anytime you need it, Post made it. So I would love to be able to get into all five of these players in the rest of this episode, and I can promise you I will be going deep into each of the top prospects in baseball, and at some point the entire top 100 list in the future. However, with everything going on, the question of when is this prospect getting called up, when is my team's best prospect going to finally make his debut, seems to be asked more than ever during this COVID shortened season because we're not having any minor league games being played. So you're not seeing some of these players just dominate in the minor leagues and force their hand into the majors. And if some of them are doing well in major league camp, it's hard to really know what's going on because you don't really have much coverage of the practice sites and everything that's going on there. The fact that there is no season is really tough for the development of a lot of these prospects, though some of them are probably benefiting immensely from the increased interaction with major league coaches and major league players in general if they are added to that 60-man roster in the taxi squad. I worry more about the lower-level guys who aren't a part of that 60-man roster and don't get a chance to practice 
with the big leaguers and get as many live at-bats, though there are some ways to figure things out on their own, and those are some of the things I'm excited to ask the prospects I'll be having on. Some of them are a part of big league camp, some of them aren't, and what the differences are and how they're able to stay fresh. Wander Franco is part of Big League Camp, but he will not be called up this year. He's only 19 years old and should be benefiting very much from the interaction with coaches, as I was saying earlier, for some of these players. It is huge for Franco because he has all the tools that you can't teach. His hands are as quick as any hitter I've ever seen at any level, and he's a switch hitter, plays good defense, pretty good arm, runs pretty well. He seems like the type of player that was created in a lab. Not only does he not strike out much at all, he walks more than he strikes out. Even in high A ball, where he was 18 last year, four and a half years on average younger than his competition, where he hit 339, he walked 26 times, struck out 15. And that's a testament to his hands and the fact that he's a switch hitter. Because from the right side against left-handers, he does a great job of putting the bat on the ball. And from the left side against right-handers, he is even better and flashes that plus-plus raw power that we see in batting practice. Why isn't he able to tap into that in the games? That's a little bit of a timing thing. His timing mechanisms are very different from the left side versus the right side. From the left side, you'll see more of a leg kick that hangs up in the air, and sometimes it throws his timing off, but his hands are so darn good that it doesn't matter. From the right side, it's more of a toe tap, and while he doesn't get as much power from the right side, he does make just about as consistent of contact as he does from the left side. The only concern, and while I don't think it's a huge concern, it will be if it continues through the upper levels, is that ground ball rate. It hovers right around 50%, and for a player that boasts the double-plus power that I mentioned and projects to be maybe a Robinson Cano type of production player with an even better hit tool, you're going to need some more lift from him because when you look at the home runs, overall, just not quite tapping into that power that you'd hope to see. Again, 18 years old in high A ball and 52 games. He does only hit three home runs, but I'm not too alarmed by that. He does need to work on the launch angle. It might be a little bit of the timing with the leg kick and the two different timing mechanisms from each side that are throwing him off in terms of his ability to get consistent lift on the ball, though these are easy adjustments to be made in the upper levels to be able to hone in on a more consistent launch angle and avoid the frequent ground balls, though I think that will always be a part of his game, and it's not a bad thing, because especially with two strikes, he can just count on throwing the hands at the ball, spoiling those bad pitches, and not striking out. I'd just like to see a little bit more aggression early in the count, and that'll be something that we definitely see as he climbs up to the higher levels. He is the prototype of the style of player that climbs through the minor leagues quickly, and we could see him as soon as the end of next season. I wouldn't be surprised at all as he'd probably start in double A next year and continue to mash because there's just no way this kid does not hit over 300 in the minor leagues. I just would be shocked at any level that he doesn't hit over 300. And he's the type of dude that just rolls out of bed and hits. And I expect him to do it at the major league level as well. It's just about how much production he can offer. And it's also worth considering the fact that the Rays tend to be a little bit slower with their prospects when it comes to moving them up. But Wander Franco will likely force their hand. Speaking of moving players up, 
there is one guy in this top five list that stands out the most to me as someone whose team could really need him right now at the big league level. It's Joe Adele. Adele is the consensus number three prospect in baseball and finished last year in AAA. As for the Angels at the big league level, this is a team that went all in with the signing of Anthony Rendon after already paying Mike Trout a record contract and still having Albert Pujols on the books, not to mention Justin Upton and a few other players that aren't cheap. So the Angels are trying to win now, and they're not winning right now. They are 3-7. and seven. And generally, I wouldn't be that pressed if I'm the Angels or if I'm a major league team for starting 3-7, and seven. but you got to keep in mind in this shortened season, that's more like 9-21. and 21. And at that point, you're a little bit concerned. You're not panicking, but you're a little concerned. Yes, Mike Trout was on the paternity list, and some players for the Angels have gotten off to slow starts, including Justin Upton. But Justin Upton... There's no reason to believe that he could just come back and end up being the player that the Angels would hope he would consistently be. He's been hurt. He's going on 33 years old. And while I still think he can be a contributor at the major league level, I wouldn't say he is a player you can put in the lineup seven days a week and especially in the field seven days a week and expect him not to wear down a little bit, especially with the fact that he only played 63 games in 2019 and continues to slow down a little bit in the field. He still has the power. He can still be a very productive player offensively. But this is an Angels lineup that features Brian Goodwin, who's actually been pretty good the last year and now a hot start to this year. But Taylor Ward is probably not a guy I want in my lineup every single day. And I do think he can be a productive player as well. But Joe Adele's ceiling is just so much higher. And Joe Adele offers a much better defensive option in the outfield than Justin Upton, especially when you have to DH Otani if these back injury, this back issue that he's getting an MRI for ends up being something serious. Adele did struggle in AAA in his stint there, but he was good at the lower levels leading up to that. The issue with Adele from the video that I've seen and from the games that I watched is it seemed that he was a little bit too passive. The passive approach, getting deeper into counts, was something he could get away with in double A and even single A. But as he gets to triple A with more pitchers that were guys that pitched in the majors and may not have as good of stuff as pitchers in double A, but they got better command and they can command their stuff better. And when you fall behind, they're going to take advantage of that. He was definitely taking more pitches earlier in the counts from what I saw. I wish I could have legitimate data to back it up, but it was just enough of the same thing for me to be able to come away and say he was too passive. And for Adele, he's never been a guy that's going to strike out a ridiculous amount. And that was a huge concern with him when he was getting drafted out of high school. He's put those concerns to bed. Yes, he does go into spring training and strike out 13 times in 30 plate appearances. A very small sample size, some tough pitching matchups. And when you look at his AAA numbers, people will say he just isn't ready. He struggled at that level. But he started to figure things out at the end especially in the final 10 games, where four of his final 10 games, he had at least three hits, five of the 10 multi-hit games. And that is not a fluke. You don't have four three-hit games in a span of 10 games by accident or just by running into balls. He was more aggressive at the end of the season and as a result was attacking balls early in the count. The Angels do have a couple players who are fleet of foot, but overall, definitely not a fast lineup by any stretch. And Adele is a guy that you can put in the top of the order right away and is 
on the edge of being a double plus runner. So you factor in the good defense and the almost double plus runner. I've seen grades of 65, some as high as 70. So even if you want to just say he's a plus runner, that's still huge for the Angels at this point for a team that really doesn't have that consistency at the top of the order outside of Trout and Rendon. He could really help set the table for Trout, Rendon, and Otani, who seems to at least be turning the corner offensively. He is an upgrade in the field, and if he's able to hit, that's a bonus. But even if he's a little bit slow out of the gate, hitting 250, 260, there's no reason to believe that he can't hit at least 250 with a little bit of power. He's giving you value that you don't have on the base paths and in the field. Yes, if the minor league season was happening this year, I would like to see him put up some more numbers for a couple months and show that he can be effective and be more aggressive earlier in counts. But right now, that's not an option. And unless he's not showing something in camp right now, or he's really struggling, it doesn't make sense to me that the Angels aren't calling him up because this is a good opportunity for him to really gauge himself against major league pitching and for the Angels to find out if he is the type of player that can start in the majors next year. The Angels have a nice little core of prospects that could make an impact in the near future, Brandon Marsh included. And I think that the Angels are going to realize that they need to make some adjustments and inject some energy into the lineup. Would not be surprised to see Brandon Marsh or Joe Adele called up in the near future, especially with Trout returning to the lineup. So let's see if the Angels are on somewhat of the same thought path that I'm on. But right now, it would be great for baseball to see Joe Adele, especially when you see what Luis Roberts doing in Chicago, what Kyle Lewis is doing in Seattle. The service time manipulation date has passed. Call Joe Adele up. Call Brandon Marsh up. Let's have some fun. Let's see these prospects give it a go in the major leagues and get their feet wet. And hopefully the Angels will make that decision sooner rather than later. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. I'm excited to continue to give you consistent prospect content Moving forward now, every single day, the only prospect podcast that you can get every single day. Interview with Griffin Conine this week, interview with Nick Gonzalez next week, and a lot more on the way. You can follow me at rmlayton8 on Twitter or at LO underscore MLB prospects for the upcoming episode and interview schedule. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.